Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome to episode number 378 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today is a very special episode because I do not have a host on the show, but our fractional COO, Aaron, he is uh, joining me today to talk about operations and how we can turn a business and also an Airbnb business into a machine. So Aaron, welcome yes, to sir. the show. Thank you very much for having me. Excited to be here. Long time listener. First time calling in. Yeah. Your first ever podcast, right? First ever. Yeah. I've been listening to them for like a decade now. I've been around podcasts for quite a while and in different companies, but yeah, this is the first time I'm officially on one. Gonna mark Sweet, it on my man. calendar, gonna awesome. celebrate it every year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, the reason why uh I wanted to to get you on the show is you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Airbnb hosts that are scaling their business who are thinking about the role of operations manager, right? And I realized, like, well, you are you have a lot of experience with operations management, you help us on the overnight success team with our uh, operations. So who better to talk to? And I think it would be cool too to have somebody of our team on the podcast uh, as well. So that's why we're doing this today. So before before we get into like the the nitty-gritty of like what what is an operations manager or or a COO, you know, what are the qualities and like how do you find somebody like that? Let's do uh, a quick how do you say that? I, I want to hear I want to hear from you cuz you're not a host. I want to get an idea of like what's your perception of Airbnb? Uh, I know you've used it a couple of times and you know what have your experiences been like and, and what what do you think hosts can improve? Yeah. I've been on, I've been using Airbnb since 2015, I think. The previous four years, I spent 1,294 days on the road without a, an apartment, living in a two suitcases. So Airbnb was my, like, my go-to place. I think I've rented over 50 different properties now. So I do, do have quite a bit of experience. Thankfully, I'd say 95% of them were positive. There was you know one or two times that it was my fault. I didn't really look at the listing enough. And there was one time that I think I was involved with a scam and I saw a news article on it years later. It was a place based in LA that that could be a full podcast by itself. So I think apart from those two things or those couple of experiences, it's been amazing. And I realized in my early days that there are, there's a number of different things specifically with the listings. And then when you arrive at the property that people can really work on. And then I built a full system for like how I try to find Airbnbs. 
one of the early things that I realized, like one of the biggest things, obviously, is going to be the pitchers. Having quality pitchers, you know, hiring professional to come in and take those is probably the number one thing to really display and articulate visually what your place looks like, what the experience is going to be like, what, what to expect when you arrive. I've had some places where they use like super wide angle lenses and I'm, I'm cognizant of that now when I'm booking places and that really like stretches out the visual of how big the space is and I've gotten there and they've been like these tiny little apartments. So I've, I've gotten pretty good at analyzing the images and I'll even analyze, like sometimes people will take a picture from two different places in a room. I'll even analyze to make sure that the things in the pictures are the same to see if, you know, one picture is older than the other. Cause I've had ran into that experience before where it shows a really nice living room that's been staged really well. And then the next photo is another angle of the living room, but everything's been changed around. So then I'm questioning, okay, what's, what's the latest, what am I actually walking into? And just small discrepancies like that is, are, are things that I pick up on. And maybe that's my operational mindset. It just, it kind of runs every aspect of my life. So that's, I'd say pictures are the single biggest thing. To, to have a really quality posting. Beyond that, communication is probably number, number two. I think the majority of challenges in life or business can be handled with proper communication. So if you're a host, and I know communication is one of the biggest things for Airbnb, having a good communication rhythm and routine and cadence and just communicating clearly and kindly, I'd, I'd probably say is number two. Some hosts will kind of overwhelm and inundate with the amount of communications that they send. Some hosts are really good at picking up on the cadence of the guest. I'm usually hands-off with stuff. I've had people just offer a ton of different services and I'll send them a message and be like, hey, I'm here for a month. I'm, I'm you know, comfortable with the city and with traveling and stuff like that. I appreciate all your, your suggestions, but I don't, I don't need anything. If I do, I'll reach out to you. So I think understanding communication is probably number two. And then for me, number three are like the small touches at an Airbnb. You know, definitely not mandatory, but, you know, you get in on a late flight and seeing like a couple bottles of water there or some protein bars or something like that, like that goes a long way. It might be like $20 for the host, but if we're, you know, I'm paying a couple thousand dollars for the month to be there, having a couple little, you know, welcoming touches when you get there is awesome. I love that. Or, you know, some basic groceries, some fruit, coffee is a big thing for me. So being able to wake up and just have coffee right away is like, it's, it's a must. So I think the small touches really go a long way. And I don't think they, it's not a huge impact in the bottom line for the hosts themselves. So yeah, that's pictures, communication, and just some small touches to make it better. Yeah. Awesome, man. Like, I love how you, uh, how you broke that down. By the way, I had no idea you spent four years as a digital nomad. Were you mostly in the US or, or did you go international? I went international for the first couple of years, but just cadences with work kind of demanded more PST time. So I was in uh, originally from Newfoundland, Canada. Shout out to anybody that knows where that is. Then I moved to Toronto for three years. I was based out of there, did a bit of traveling. And then I think it was in 2018, I kicked off my travels. So initially went down to Costa Rica, some of the, like the South American and Caribbean countries, Costa Rica, Bahamas, quick stop in, in Panama, spent a lot of time in Mexico. Absolutely love that country, the people and the food. I was in Bali for a couple of months, had a two-week layover in Singapore, and then mainly between Canada, the US, and then Mexico. Awesome, man. Yeah. So you've, got, you've been around the block. You've stayed at over 50 Airbnbs. So that's really good to get that perspective uh, from somebody who is not a host. So. Cool, man. Let's dive into operations. So when somebody, when somebody runs an Airbnb business, and you've gotten pretty familiar with the short-term rental businesses, 
through, mm -hmm. you know, working with us. You've been with us for how long now? It's just over a year, I think, right? Yep. I think it was a year. Yeah. So in you're early May. Right. Yeah. So you're you're pretty familiar, you know, with the with everything that we teach and like the what mm -hmm. these companies look like, what the challenges are and mm -hmm. stuff. So if somebody somebody's running this so hosting business and they they're looking for an operational manager, like could you could you give some feedback on like what what exactly is that role of an operational manager? What are the responsibilities? So I think two two things to kind of preface that question. The first is that operations across a lot of industries have similarities. So my background is mainly from online education businesses, but I've worked with a lot of different sectors and industries because one of the main businesses I worked with taught other businesses how to scale. So I've seen the insides of a lot of different types of companies, and there's a lot of kind of key fundamentals that, that exist across all of them. Like every company needs finances, you need hiring, you need team management, you need project management, all these things that go into operations. So I think it's the first thing. I think another thing, operations manager, when I hear people trying to hire operations people, they always pin a title to it first. And I think when you're hiring people, titles can be dangerous um, for both parties. One, if you put a title out there that's bigger than what the role is, you're going to attract a lot of people that are probably well outside of your, your budget for whatever their salary is. Or sometimes they can make misrepresentations of what that role includes. So I'd say be careful, be careful on titles when you're choosing to hire anybody, whether it's operations or any other roles in the company. In terms of an operations person, I think the main thing that they need is experience. Experience is probably the number one thing. A lot of what I've learned has been through failing forward, making a lot of mistakes in businesses. So thankfully, I call that a, a dumb tax. Every mistake that you make in business is a dumb tax and it just gets, <laughs> mine's, mine's probably pretty big and I don't want to calculate it, but yeah. Uh, the bigger the dumb tax is, I think that the more lessons that they've learned and as an operator, we or as anybody, I guess, you never want to make the same mistake twice. So I think history is probably the number one thing that they need. They need to be very analytical as well. You could probably tell from my Airbnb breakdown of like analyzing pictures and just like really scrutinizing listings that it's just a part of who I am and that that kind of ripples throughout every aspect of my life. So I think having something that's very operational is good or analytical, I should say. Being a forward thinker is also important. Being able to look down the road is kind of one of the big things for an operations manager. A lot of people are kind of within the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month of their role, but operations has to be months down the road looking at what's coming up because within business, you kind of make three, any decision or any, any play or any move that you make in business, it's either short, medium, or long-term. And it's never good to have all of your eggs in, in one of those baskets. You kind of want to spread it out. So it's the operations manager role to make sure that you're, you're kind of laying the bricks for the road ahead of the team and that you're never running out of uh, space, strategy, ideas, or runway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you mentioned a really important point that I want to touch on, which is when I talk to when I talk to companies, hosting companies that tell me that they need an operations manager, it's usually they usually don't really know exactly what that means. What's usually the case is they just recognize that they they are kind of overwhelmed in their business and they're just looking for somebody to take over, to take a bunch of tasks from their plate. Right. And so I think it's important what you say, because, you know, before you start like looking for somebody, first of all, like just going, going back to the task and, and figuring out like, well, who do I actually need? Right. Yep. Is it, is it really an operations manager or maybe it's just like a, 
technology assistant, or maybe it's a virtual assistant, maybe it's a general assistant or executive assistant, right? So, and that's something that, you know, as you know, we teach in Legends X and we use in our company as well as the, is the job scorecard. So would you say that's the best approach to get started is really like mapping out the job scorecard first? Yeah, I think there's the job scorecard and depending on, you know, if this is your first hire or your 10th hire, there's also a system that the, the name is escaping me right now, but you're basically tracking what you're doing on a daily basis for a couple of weeks. And then from there, you can kind of look at what you're actually doing. Cause I think people are not great at estimating or remembering all the small things, but if you sit down and, and you're trying to off offboard or delegate a bunch of stuff from your plate to free up your time, you have to have a clear understanding of what that is. So if you just go, if you just try to you know, sit down on a Friday and say, okay, what did I do for the past two weeks? Like you look at the high level things, you get the big projects, you'll probably uh, remember the things that frustrated you or the big wins, but everything else in between is what you're going to forget. So I think on a daily basis or even like an hour by hour basis, say, okay, what did I do? Write it down. Then after a week or two, you'll start to see trends in what you're doing. Whether you're spending too much time in guest communications or whether you're spending a lot of time managing your cleaners or whatever it may be, these things become very apparent. Then from there, take all those items. So it's basically, you can either delegate things that are currently happening, or you can hire somebody for expanding to new areas that you just don't have the resources to do right now. So I'd write down what you're trying to get off your plate and then start listing out responsibilities for what you think that role is, whether it's current things or new things, and then that will create your job scorecard. Obviously it's, you know, ideally we'd like to find a person that can do everything which we refer to as unicorns, but they're both hard to find <laughs> and can be costly. So try to avoid finding a unicorn. Try to, the next best thing, if you don't have like a full-time job, is just to hire somebody part-time. So if it's like 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week, that's another option. The downside to hiring somebody part-time is that if they're not fully into your company and they have other clients, there could be distractions their time to ramp up and really understand the company can take a lot longer. So ideally you want full-time people if it's not a detriment to um, the cost, like you don't want to hire them full-time and they just like sit there for 20 hours a week. So yeah, do your, figure out what you're actually working on, figure out what you want to delegate and then create the job scorecard. And that will tell you what kind of person you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were touching a little bit on this, but what would you say are the, are the top three qualities that people should look for in, in an operations person? Top three qualities. I think history is still number one, like having done it before. You don't want this person to be learning on the job. I think that's number one. I think number two, I think they have to be a generalist at just about everything in the company. So this goes for like hiring anybody. You want to know 40 to 50% of what that role is so that you can understand if they're doing a good job. So just like an operator, like I understand marketing delivery, fulfillment and operations, operations is like core, but I understand what needs to happen with marketing at a high level. I understand the systems that need to go in place. I understand strategies need to be creative. So I think knowing every aspect of the business is also super important. They can't just be, because if they don't know other areas of the business, I'd say they're more of a project manager than an, an operator. An operator understands, you know, start to finish, what's the, the lead journey? Once you they become a customer of yours, what does that journey look like? And then how do you retain them long-term? And that goes across every department within the company. And then number three would probably be, so analytical, understand all aspects of the business. And then I'd probably say somebody that loves uh, numbers and systems. 
systems because that's what helps turn a business into a machine and things run smoothly. If you're doing everything from scratch, if you're doing a task from scratch every time, that just takes a long time. So they have to be like super adamant about creating repeatable processes. I always say as an operator, I'd like to be the laziest person on the team, not from a work effort mentality, but I never want to do the same thing twice. I want to create a system around it. I want to make sure that it works and I want to delegate it to somebody else. I want to find the quickest and most effective route to getting this to the simplest and best solution. Numbers is like your scorecard, uh, your business's scorecard. A lot of people make decisions in business based on emotion, which isn't always necessarily a bad thing, but numbers and data are very black and white and that removes all the emotion out of it. So if your numbers don't look good, you can't really bring emotion to the equation say, well, you know, that was a bad month, but I think we're going to do better next month. Or, you know, the past three months were bad. I, I feel it. I feel we're going to have an upward tick. Like it's going to come. Like if the data is telling you otherwise, like trust that more than anything. And the operator should be the one leading that because they will determine what numbers are best and then bring that forward to the team and say, okay, here's our performance. What do we need to do to make a correction? Or if it's, if it's going well, how can we double down on the things that are working really well? Now you mentioned that you worked for you worked for a company that was helping businesses from different industries skill, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have a really good understanding of like, you know, what are the biggest challenges that you know entrepreneurs in general and businesses run into, and what what are some what are some like uh, of the best solutions? So can can you give us? Give us some insight in that. Like, what what are like the top three challenges that you see that businesses run into? So, businesses obviously go through different life cycles. So, I think the first thing to, to think about is how like how a business starts. And I break every like I break I break a lot of stuff down to the four different departments: uh, marketing, sales, fulfillment, and operations. Fulfillment being like how you're delivering your product or service. So it always starts with an idea, which is what the product is. So it starts kind of at stage three, which is fulfillment. I have an idea. I want to teach people how to do this. I want to rent a place in Airbnb. I want, you have something that you want to provide the world with and get money in return. So that's how it all starts. From there, they do a bit of marketing and sales. So they're like, they test or validate the product idea. And then once they get marketing and sales on board, it goes back to fulfillment. And then operations is kind of the glue that keeps it all together. So operations is usually a afterthought for a lot of businesses. So I think that's one of the big challenges is if you have a really great idea that sells really quickly, fulfillment and operations become a mess afterwards because you have an influx of customers and then you're just, like, you don't have systems or they're just inconsistent or not working. So it's the same with Airbnb. If you had, you know, a couple different rental properties or, or just properties of your own that you wanted to rent, and all of a sudden you list them and you have bookings for the next four months, you're like, sweet, I just made some money. Then you're like, oh, I need to clean the places and I need to turn them over and need guest communications. And like, oh my God, what did I do? Like, did I make a mistake? So I think, yeah, one of the biggest things is just not setting up operations early enough or selling or marketing too much that your fulfillment and operations can't handle. So I think that's like one of the common issues that I see. I think the next big issue is just consistency and simplicity. A lot of people, a lot of businesses that I work with, I go inside and see that they have just inconsistency across a number of different things. I think a few key systems that every business needs, communication is number one. So you need a kind of a single place for everybody to communicate. We use Slack. You can use emails, text messages, Foxers, there's there's so many communication services out there. And I see a lot of businesses 
the, you know, one of the first questions that I ask is how do you communicate with your team? And then they say, well, well, who, like who on the team? I was like, anybody. And they'll say, well, for Johnny, I, you know, we text back and forth and have some calls for Susie. I, I message her through email. I'm like, holy crap, you're, you've got five different mm-hmm. channels of communication happening. Like, there's no consistency. So I think having a solid communication place is very important. I think having a, a way to delegate tasks is also really important. So you communicate about things. How do you get stuff done? So project management would, would be the next big thing. Again, a central place, whether it's, and it could be any place. It could be a Google document. It could be post-it notes. It could be anything as long as it's consistent and everybody's using it and it's, it's understood by everybody in the company. A storage system is also super important. So with any business, whether it's a virtual or a physical business, you have a lot of documents flying all over the place. So having a central place to store all those, Google Drive is, I think, the best solution online is super important. And then the last three things are kind of operations-based. Planning is also important. So we talked about earlier, like looking far enough down the road to make sure that you have a strategy in place to make sure that your numbers are looking good, all of that stuff. So having proper planning cadences, a lot of businesses don't do that. Not having appropriate data. Data is your feedback loop, looking at your KPIs, your numbers, all that stuff. And then lastly would be resource management. So you, you, you plan out what you want to do. You implement it and communicate it through your project management communication. Everything around that plan is stored in a central location. You have your data to let you know if you're doing a good job or not. And then you have your resource management, which is you know kind of top priority. It's, it's your team or how you're getting stuff done. Resource is usually time, people, and money. So making sure that you're managing all three aspects of those properly is going to be big because a lot of people say certain businesses die or, or kind of fade out for a number of different reasons. I'd say 99% of the reasons is cash. So protecting your cash is super important because if you don't have cash, you can't, you can't hire people, you can't pay yourself, you can't do a lot. There's obviously other reasons, but I think that's kind of the, one of the big misconceptions about why businesses fail is you run out of cash. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because you know what you're describing as, as the biggest challenge that you see in businesses is, is kind of very similar as, as what we call the, the hectic host, mm-hmm. right? You're describing like, hey, somebody, you know, you focus on sales, like you want to, you want to make money. So you get your listings online and it's exciting. It's fun. You're working on, on marketing, right? You know, optimizing your, your listings and, you know, trying to get direct bookings, like stuff like that. And then before you know it, you know, you have like five, five to 10 listings. And now you are basically, you, you are 24 hours, you're on the clock. And, yep. you know, you're, you're doing everything in your business. And like you said, like you completely forgot the operational side here, you're, you're operating completely from memory. And, you know, that's a lot of the, as you know, like a lot of the students that uh, go for a Legends X program are, are coming from that, that place. So what, what, what can you do? So let's, let's just put, let put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who has like maybe one or two listings and, and is thinking, Hey, I want to expand. I want to get like three, four, five listings and so on. And eventually, you know, grow to, to, uh, to a larger number. Like when, when is the best time to start like thinking operations and, and building those systems? The sooner, the better. Those mistakes and those headaches will pop up regardless. Um, I think as long as you're looking, like if you just have one unit and that's all you want to do or a bedroom that you want to rent out for just some like, you know, project money or just, just play money. And it's not really a financial commitment that you're making to, to have this as a main 
avenue of revenue. I think that's the first thing. If you're wanting to grow, the sooner the better, um, as long as the resources or cash can provide it. Because it's 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 a yo-yo effect. If you don't get operations set up and you don't build a solid team around you, you'll you'll be heavy into marketing and sales one month. But once you're overwhelmed with the amount of guests that are staying with you or customers that you have, then all the team's focus is going back into fulfillment and operations. But then the cash starts running out. So then you're pulling everybody back in the other direction. So I think with operations in terms of those systems, the communication, project management, planning, and data, the, the sooner you get that in place, the better. Because that gives you the visibility and understanding of how the business is operating. And it just makes scaling a whole lot smoother from there. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much pretty much day one, I think everyone, even if you're just starting, you're renting out one room. I think it's the mindset that you want to adopt, like what we call like a systems mindset. So mm -hmm. what you were saying, like anytime you do a task more than once, just create a system for it. You know, yep. and, and a system system can be pretty simple, right? It could be as simple as just opening up a, a Word doc in Google, um, mm -hmm. in Google Drive, and just say, like, let's say, like, you're writing reviews, right? You write your first review, right? Instead of just writing the review, create a little doc and just document, record a video of yourself writing that review, right? Because in the, in the future, if you ever want to hire somebody to do this for you, you already have that video and it doesn't really take much extra time to, to record that video. Maybe it takes like 10 extra minutes to just write in a Google doc, like step one, open up my account, mm -hmm. step two, click on, click on reviews, step three. You know, this is, this is how, this is what I write. Maybe create some templates. Like it could be like really, really simple. And especially in the early stages, you still have some time to do that. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Once you're yeah, overwhelmed, it becomes really hard. Yeah, it just yeah, exactly. Yeah, delegation is a big thing, and I think you know to anybody listening or watching, don't like I, I've listed out a bunch of different systems and things you need to do. Don't try to do it all at once. Start like the simplest and most direct path is the way to go. So start with very simple systems, very small structures or, or whatever it is, and then expand over time. You don't have to go build. The, the craziest, most complex systems um, from the get-go, just have some basic things and basic rules and procedures in place that people can follow. And you're absolutely right. A lot of time, the hardest thing for, for, for people to delegate first is identifying what they want to delegate and then two, creating a system. It does take extra time. And when you're in the day-to-day -day and you, you want to get something accomplished, the last thing that you want to do is make that thing take longer. So you have to have the mindset that this extra... You know, if it takes normally takes an hour to do, it's going to take an hour and, you know, 15, 20 minutes to create the system. So it is making that task or project or whatever you're doing longer. But the goal is that you'll never have to do that again, or you'll only have to do like a fraction of what that is again. So it, it does take time investment to make this happen. But then then you're absolutely right. Once you hire somebody new, you don't have to sit down and train them for two weeks and then look over their shoulder and make sure that they're doing it. It's already done. You'd say, okay, here's the, the six different tasks that we need you to take on, go and do it. And then the other thing that I'd say about delegation is I wouldn't create a system or process the first time I do something, I do it manual a couple of times. One, because if you, if you go to do a task and you're like, okay, here's how I'm going to do it. And then it, it changes next time, or you didn't like the result, go through a few iterations yourself. Then once you're confident that, you know, the process is the same every time and that you're getting a consistent output or result, that's when you start to create a system and delegate. So 
work through it a couple of times yourself, create the system or process around it. Then when you delegate it, there's a few steps there as well. Sit down with the person and say, hey, here's, or, or send them a document or send them a Loom video or do all three. Say, here's what I want you to do. Provide an example of what the result looks like, whether it's uh, a review or taking photos of a location. Say, this is, this is the end result. And then say, go and do it. Once they do it the first time, review their work, make any adjustments as necessary. Always review the work. Again, feedback loops in businesses are so important because if you did the system, if you created the system and you've done it a hundred times, you've probably gotten pretty quick at it. And if the, the more familiar and comfortable you get with the process, you sometimes you can tend to skip steps or condense things or not explain it enough. So if you create a system and delegate it to somebody and they don't get the same result, Either they didn't understand it or you didn't explain something properly or might have skipped a step. So after you delegate, check it maybe once, maybe twice, depending on the importance of complexity of the system. And then the third time, fourth time around, you can fully release responsibility and say, okay, this is now yours. You need to do this, you know, Monday, Thursday, Friday, whatever the days are, and just kind of set the boundaries for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good, that's a really good point that you're making, right? Because I I, uh, I see that in myself sometimes when, especially when uh, when I'm creating systems for FreeWild, because we just started that company. I did actually fall into that trap a couple of times where I was like, all right, this is the first time I'm doing it. Why don't I just create a system right away? And then <laughs> yeah. I did have to do have to do it again a couple a couple of times because I was like, oh no, this is not the best way of doing this. So yeah. I think that's a really good point. A couple more questions before we just wrap this up. Number one, what's what's been your experience working with overnight success? And like we're kind of known in the industry as like the the systems people because we always talk mm-hmm. about systems. So I'm curious to know from you, like when you joined the company, like what did you notice in our company? Were we doing a good job at, at, at our systems, or what were what were your thoughts? I've enjoyed every bit of it, and everybody on the team. I think the first, yeah, I hear a lot of people and a lot of businesses say that they're very systems oriented, and they. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. I think the most surprising thing in the company was the playbook. So the playbook is basically the central source for all of your systems, processes, resources, templates. And I've seen companies have different versions and iterations of it. But what I haven't seen is how consistently you guys use it. Like everything in the company is in one place. And when I, (laughs) in the first couple of days, I was doing some like deep dive and kind of poking around systems and I opened it up and there was like hundreds of documents. And I was like, heck yeah, guys, like this is awesome. (laughs) Everything was stored. Everything was easy to find. So I think, yeah, definitely a systems mindset. I think beyond that, it's, it's, it's a really great company for a couple of other reasons. One, the people are really great. I think we all come from a, a different background. We have different experiences. I think having a, a variety in the people that work for the company is awesome. I think everybody kind of buying into the mission and vision is, is also super important, which is definitely championed and, and shared here. And then I think the industry, I really enjoy the industry. So my background is, is it's mainly with coaches and consultants. And the joke is we're coaches, coaching coaches, which gets a bit repetitive over time. So coming into a very specific industry with a very specific customer was also a breath of fresh air. I think the the clearer that you can get on who your and also go through this in Legends X, the clearer that you can get on your avatar and your vision, the easier every other decision in the company becomes. Are we moving closer to the goal? And are is it going to serve the avatar? Yes or no? If it's a no, don't do it or pivot. If it's a yes, keep charging forward. So I think having that very clearly defined was also a breath of fresh air coming into the company. Mm, got it. 
Last thing I want to touch on is, uh, you know, one of the things that, that you are really leading in our company is the, is the hiring side. We're looking, for, we're looking for a couple of people. If you're listening to this, you can check out overnightsuccess.io slash hiring. We created a, a whole new fancy page, which looks uh, a whole hell of a lot better than what we used to have. So that's, that's really awesome. But in particular, we are looking for uh, somebody to help us with marketing, a digital content manager. Can you, just, can you describe a little bit of like, uh, what that role is about and who we who are looking for? Yeah. So you guys are at a bit of a, a pivotal point right now. It's been, what, two years, I think? Just under two years? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and thankfully, thankfully, through the, the following of this podcast and your daily email, like we've, we've had a lot of really great, loyal followers that have, have loved the product and services, but now it's time to kind of shout from the rooftops and really get the name out into the industry. So digital content manager is, I think, going to be a big role um, for, for the, the rest of this company's history. So basically what that role is doing is you guys already have a ton of really great content. Um, emails that you've written, the podcast, blog posts, like there's a lot of content that exists within the organization. But what a lot of businesses um, struggle to do is to, to replicate and distribute that content across multiple channels. A lot of people approach it where they're trying to recreate the wheel each time. But basically what this role is going to do is take some of the central sources out of the podcast or emails and then break that out into different channels. So for this role in particular, having past experience with marketing strategies, um, specifically with digital content, social platforms, emails, podcasts, speaking from stages even is like a future thing that I think would be great like later this year or early next year. So anybody that has past experience with that, anybody that is good with content, you don't have to be a copywriter, but just knowing like what works and what doesn't per channel is also super important. And then understanding the complexities and the differences between the different marketing channels, whether it's social, whether it's email, they all have a different voice and tone and, and consumption rate. So I think having a solid understanding of that yeah, is also super important. Mm. So yeah, if it sounds like you're the person and you're looking for some pretty cool people to work with in a really awesome industry and awesome company, definitely check out that hiring page. Yeah. Yeah. Overnight success.io slash hiring. And we're also, and this is the first time that we do this. And we mentioned this on Friday, Eric and I mentioned it, but we're, uh, for the first time, we're actually, we're actually giving out a uh, referral bonus to anybody who can, uh, introduce us, uh, to somebody who, uh, who we end up hiring. So we're giving out that $2,500 for the person. So got a bounty. Bounty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, if you're listening to this and you, and you know somebody, Aaron just did a really good job at uh, describing, you know, describing that person. So if you know somebody, please introduce us. You can do via, via email team at overnightsuccess.io, or you can just send them, uh, send them the link. And, you know, if we end up hiring that person, we'll definitely figure out the that person came for you. So we can, uh, we can send you your cash. So awesome, man. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? How, how did you enjoy your first ever podcast? It was great. I kind of want to do more now. I love, I love talking. <laughs> I love talking about <laughs> operations. And I hope people today have kind of learned a bit about what it takes to operate a business. There's definitely a lot, but you know, start slow, keep it simple. And yeah, sky's the limit. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I have to say for a first time podcast guest, 
you did a really good job. Like the way Sweet. that you, you know, broke everything down and, you know, I think, yeah, I think you, you'd Thank be you. a solid guest on, uh, on some other podcasts. So cool. Love it. Maybe this would be the start of a, uh, of a successful uh, podcasting, uh, <laughs> podcasting career. I don't know how to describe that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Thank you very much. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks Aaron. And, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget on Friday, Eric and I will be back with another episode. So have a great week and I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, our starter course for anybody who wants to start an Airbnb business. Every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course. Um, So if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Yeah.